certainly was a brand of Donald Trump the candidate, loud and brash and making all sorts of crazy promises. Now, what happens when that brand becomes the president? Because the presidential brand has to be something quite different. CFAX 1070's Mark Brené invited me in to talk about the brand gap between Donald Trump the candidate and Donald Trump the president. Let's listen in. Trump. (laughs) The definition of branding is the marketing practice of creating a name, a symbol, or a design that identifies and differentiates a product from another product. An effective brand strategy can provide a major edge in a competitive market. So what is Donald Trump's brand? Has he cultivated a brand that is sustainable? Are people buying it? Will they continue to buy it? Well, it could be argued with the lowest approval rating for a newly installed U.S. president and with millions on the streets of the world on Saturday, in essence, protesting his views on women, they may have a point. Or do they? Let's find out more. Our guest is Mark Stoiber. He's a brand strategy consultant, entrepreneur, and the author of the book, Didn't See It Coming. Good afternoon, Mark. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me back. Thank you for being here. First off, let's get into what a brand is and and how it is used to sell a product before we get into... To, Trump himself. Yeah, he, he is a product. He is he's a product of he's something. A, well, he's, I don't know, but up to this point, he has been a very successful product. Sure. Uh, but brands uh, have been around for a long, long time. I mean, first sort of brand behavior has been tracked all the way back to 5,000 years ago. Brands are essentially things that we use to differentiate ourselves from other people. So could you argue that a brand might be uh, etchings in a cave? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for a certain tribe, the, let's yeah, say? Yeah, tribe wears, a tribe wears a necklace. They paint their face in a certain way. They wear their hair in a certain way. They eat certain types of food where they live. You know, the thing is, what you can do as a caveman, you can look at somebody and you go, aha, he's with me or he's against me. And that was very useful back in the day, you know, uh, because you needed to be able to sort of sort your world into a comfortable sort of shape to give yourself a feeling of security. And that's how we created these differentiators. And, and they have lived with us since time immemorial. You know, you think about it, you go back to the, the, uh, the, the crusades and you're a villager in Jerusalem and you see a gentleman riding over the hill wearing a, a knight's armor and he's wearing a white tunic with a red cross on it. Now, depending if you're Christian or Muslim, that brand, without the fella saying a single word or doing anything, transmits everything you need to know. Either, thank goodness he's here, or, uh-oh, I better get my sword. I'm in trouble. Okay. That is how powerful brands can be. Now, they really hit their stride after the Second World War, because after the war, um, all these industrialists had been used to making five million pairs of khaki pants and a billion bullets and a million guns and hundreds of thousands of tanks, cranking them out one after the other, all identical. After the war, we didn't need the khakis, the tanks, or the guns, but we knew how to make things identical. So we started turning out Levi's jeans and running shoes and you name it, all identical. 
And the industrialist said, wait a minute, people, if they're all identical, people will only pay a certain amount because there's nothing to differentiate them to make one look more attractive than the other. So what they did, they built brands around them and that's where modern brands came from. They are a differentiator to take things that are essentially commodities and make one different from the other. So for example, you know, Coke, which is brown sugar water, is the the trusted choice. You know, Coke is it. Coke is the reliable. Pepsi is the choice of the new generation. Why? Why? You know, why is Coke any different from Pepsi? It has to do with the brand. And and people look at this and they go, it's kind of fluffy. It's really hard for bean counters to get their heads around a brand because it's fluffy and ethereal, but, you know, not so fast. You look at Coca-Cola, the company market cap is at about $60 billion. But if you add in the company market cap, if you include the brand, it's $120 billion. So that brand, that red and white, those letters, that feeling of being it is worth 60 to $70 billion for that company. So you're saying the cap is $120 billion. So how much is the bottle? I'm just joking. <laughs> okay, Coke is a great example and uh, versus Pepsi. It all comes down to a feeling you get. Yeah. It's, it's about this is my soft drink. This exactly. is my hockey team. This is my uh, favorite uh, fast food restaurant. Think it's, about, think it's, about it's, First it's, Nations. It's, it's emotional. Well, think about First Nations. They put totem poles outside their, 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 housing, their houses, their teepees or their wood long houses, and these things symbolize what the family stood for. Right. And nowadays, you know, we have a Harley Davidson tattoo. We have a Mac sticker on the back of our car. We we tattoo or, or em, embellish ourselves the same way that folks always have, saying, I'm a creative or I'm a cowboy outlaw Harley rider or I'm an athlete, I wear Nikes. It's 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 crudal, it's critical to our identity. And you know, if you're a Nike guy and I'm a Nike guy, we already have one point where we kind of get along. You know, if you're a Mac guy and I'm a PC guy, just like the commercials. That's a divisive one, actually. Exactly. Between Mac and PC. Exactly. It's a yeah. huge one. And why? They all kind of do the same thing. But it's important for us. We live in a very confusing world, which leads us directly to Donald Trump and the election. We live in a confusing world. We need to be able to partition things. You're with us. You're not with us. We like you. We don't like you. We think the same way. We don't think the same way. So part of branding is dividing and conquering. Part of, part of branding is compartmentalizing. You know, and yes, dividing and conquering, saying they're with us or they're not with us. It goes right back to the cowboy movies, the white hats, the black hats. You only needed to wear a black hat for everybody to know that you're a bad guy. It's the same thing with brands, you know. Right. If you're a Mac if you're a Mac guy and you see a compact computer, you go, ah, nerd. Why? You know? And then, it, I mean, if you're, if you're running an Apple phone and you go, that's a cool phone, and then your kid says, no, you're old, you go, oh. <laughs> so suddenly your whole brand world has been turned upside down. And that's what we talk about here, you know, the sort of the promise of brands versus the reality of brands. And that's where Trump gets really, really interesting for a brand perspective. Okay, we only have two minutes before we get to the break, but I want to start this off by saying that there are different sort of categories that you need to sort of, like a checklist well, yeah, building blocks. A building brand, blocks brand of, doesn't of a brand. come about from a, just a you know meeting somebody at a party going, "Hey, I got a great idea for you." There's there's some science to this. Let's stuff. list the four or five that you have that are that are building blocks for a brand. Well, and then you, we're going to see how that relates to Donald Trump and what he's done so far. Yeah, exactly. There's a g- terrific book out called "The Brand 
The Brand Gap by Marty Neumeyer. And he lists these things out in a way that I thought would provide a good matrix for us. He says, differentiate. That is, you want to create something unique that stands out, obviously. Collaborate. It's not just your vision, but it's your audience's vision of what they want. They have to line up for that brand to be valuable. Innovate. You have to create something new, but then you have to keep on creating something new, just like Steve Jobs didn't stop at the first Macintosh. He kept going. Validate. You have to put it out there. Say, guys, does this line up with what you expect? And finally, cultivate the relationship because a brand, what makes it flaky is that it's about people, a relationship between people. So you've got differentiate, collaborate, innovate, validate, and cultivate. And we can go through sort of this and overlay the template of Donald Trump, what he promised, what he's becoming, and where we think the problem's going to show up. Okay. Uh, this, this is what we'll do. Uh, Clearly, the, the 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 first one differentiate. He's done that very very well. Extremely he has, well. Uh, he's positioned himself clearly uh, on the opposite end of where the Democrats were. He's positioned himself on the opposite end of what Washington is. He has positioned himself as the quintessential outsider. He is a genius at this. You know, he is the person who, as he said in his uh, inauguration speech, he is going to take the carnage. That was four presidents of Washington who were sitting right behind yeah. him, and he's going to bring he's going to bring the government back to the people of America. He is the quintessential outsider, which also I think we're going to touch on a little bit is going to be I think part of what is going to come in a bit of an unwinding of the brand. Can of you Donald imagine Trump. if you're Bush or uh, you're yeah. Clinton uh, or you're Obama and you're sitting there and this is what he's saying? <laughs> Oh, I know. In front of so many people, 1.8 million. No, it wasn't 1.8 million, was it? We'll get into that as well. Uh, we will take the break. We'll come back after the news uh, update. Mark Stoiber is our guest, brand strategy consultant, author of the book, Didn't See It Coming. I've got a copy here I'm going to give away. While we're in the break, I wanted to mention a product I'd created to help entrepreneurs avoid their own brand gap. It's called the Brand DIY. You can download it at brandiy.com. Type DIY10 in the promo code and you can get a 10% discount on it. So avoid your own brand gap. Check out the brand DIY.com. Donald Trump. We're talking about the branding of Donald Trump. Our guest is Mark Stoiber. He's a brand strategy consultant, entrepreneur, and the author of the book, Didn't See It Coming. Let's get into this. We talked about the, uh, the pillars of branding, and you've got them down as these. You have to differentiate yourself or your product. You have to collaborate, collaborate uh, and be a team sports person and sort of keep in touch with the people that are buying your product, mm-hmm. innovate your product, validate your product, and the people that are buying it, and cultivate it. So let's start with differentiate. I think it's quite clear that Mr. Trump has done a wonderful job of establishing that he's different from the others. Yes, he did a a masterful job. And you saw uh, just the way he went at it when he was fighting against his Republican opponents, how he basically just caught them flat-footed. And he turned them on each other, and he uh, he, he created this sort of thing that they're all politician and he's not. It was masterful. So uh, there's several ways that he differentiated themselves really, really well. And there's some, also there's some dark clouds here where you go, yeah, he differentiated himself, but ah, that is that the sort of brand you want to build? So, I mean, he set himself apart from the political class. 
you know, we were just talking about that, his inaugural speech, how he, his entire speech was about rejecting the political class and, and giving power back to the people. Um, he set himself apart as a non-politician. And it's, it's really funny because he's not the first person to do this. I think the Republican Party has positioned itself for a couple decades now as the people's party, people, you know, the sort of the rural party, the, the not downtown people. And, and I think what they've done, they've taken this political class and made it a bad thing. They've branded it as a bad thing to be a politician and to be a complete newbie is a terrific thing. Well, congratulations. The marketing worked. It paid off. There he is, the ultimate newbie. Uh, On the dark side, and I think this is very interesting because this gets kind of Orwellian because he differentiated himself as a brand that can fix everything. Now, you remember Barack Obama was all about, yes, we can, Hillary Clinton together. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. It's all about what we talk about in a second, the collaboration part of a brand, right? A brand isn't put, put together by one person unless you want to be doing it out in the forest by yourself. But it's put together with a listener and a transmitter. And in an ideal world, it's like a bonfire. They just keep going around around sharing stuff. It makes everything stronger. He's, he's the polar opposite of this thing. When he was promising uh, what he was going to create, he created an extremely dark vision of the world. And he said, only I can fix this. Now, I mean, that, that harkens right back to Hitler in the early days, in the, early, in the, late 20, in the early 30s, rather. Um, it harkens back to uh, any sort of totalitarian, totalitarian leader that you have, where they say, the world is a mess, only I can fix this. It's an authoritarian position. So he differentiated himself on that thing, and I'd say that's, uh, that's a good thing different, but kind of dark clouds. So then you go on to collaborate, right. and I'd say that in the, uh, in the presidential run-up, I'd say he was terrible at collaboration. You know, I, I think the brand promise that he put out there was that he alone could fix something and maybe collaborate with his family on it, but I didn't see a whole lot of reaching out and saying, together we can. There was no, no talk of that. there isn't, because not... To your point about Obama and yes, we can, uh, mm-hmm. he's, uh, was all into collaborating with the public, mm-hmm. with the voters, with U.S. citizens, as well as his fellow uh, Democrats, and he wanted to reach across the aisle to the Republican. Uh, Donald J. Trump, on the other hand, is definitely all about himself, mm-hmm. and certainly he's lost his connection with the Republican Party itself. I think that's one of the most dangerous things. You know, you and I were talking prior to the recording about, you know, it's going to be the downfall, because I do see a downfall coming, and I think it's going to come from the right. Yeah. I think it's going to come from the right, because he is he is tearing their world to pieces. Um, so then you have innovate, you know, so we've gone differentiate. He's been pretty good at that. Yeah, so give him a, a plus for differentiate. A plus differentiating, D minus for collaboration, even when he was building his brand, right? And I think that is one of the big downfalls of this brand. But then we come to innovate. Just like differentiate, he was very good promising innovation. And his innovations were out there. I mean, he's going to build the wall. And he had his his people, his his believers were chanting, build the wall, build the wall. The other thing they were chanting was... Uh, put lock, her in jail. Lock, lock her, up. her up. Lock her up. He promised to lock up his opponent. You know, if you want to talk about the polar opposite of collaboration, Barack Obama reaching across the aisle, promising to lock up your opponent to the right people, that was one heck of a good innovation. To the majority of us, we're going, wait a minute, this doesn't smell so good. Uh, he vowed to cut taxes while creating 
all manner of improvements. Uh, he promised to put America first, which is all about the jobs back in America, which I think a lot of people did, but he was more radical than the rest. So I'd say he could own that innovation. He talked about a partnership with Russia, which as far as innovation goes, is pretty darn original. Yep. You know, you got to give him credit for yep. that. It He's stands thinking out. outside the box. He's thinking outside the box and outside NATO for that, for that <laughs> matter. Um, so he had a raft of innovations, a raft of new things that he was promising, which I think, so I'd say that as far as that goes to the right audience, right. A plus for the brand. Okay, so... Of, of three categories, he's he's got two A pluses mm-hmm. and one D minus. Yeah, let's go into validation. Validation. Well, he's definitely validated by his fans. If you look at the Trump rallies, these people were violent. They love you him. know, they loved him. They were they were like soccer hooligans. Uh, you know, you don't get that kind of a reaction to a sort of a Beltway conservative uh, politician or a liberal or any of our Canadian politicians. I don't know. Well, hold well maybe Justin. Know. Justin. Yeah, he's bringing sexy and back. He, yeah, he did. And Obama certainly had the same sort. Of, uh, he had, devotion. Okay, you got me there. You got me there. Okay, so he's not the first one to be validated. It's by just that his is a little more extreme, and yeah, it's it on was, a different side. It was like it was like uh, it was like the people coming over the wall. Yeah. You know, it was crazy validation. Uh, he was not validated by the media, but here it gets really interesting because I don't think he wanted to be. In fact, when the media said that he is a crazy man, that validated him all the more. With his people. Now, remember, the Republican Party, they have spent a long time saying that, you know, establishment bad, newbies good. They've also said another thing. They said media bad. Right. And and they've positioned their own media as the only media you can listen to. Well, now he's taken a strip out of their own media. So, you know, this, I think, has sent his crowds, his fans, into just fits of craziness and awesomeness. They just think that he's the bee's knees. So, again, I'd say an A-plus as far as validation goes with his fans and he didn't care about the others which is also going to come back to bite him in the buttocks right. <laughs> when we get to running the country because then it goes from just talking to your fans to talking to everybody finally cultivate uh, and I think this was uh, you know it was a war zone he turned people against each other he had them fighting each other it was a divide and conquer sowing confusion going back on his word saying one thing to the Mexican president then coming back and saying yes we are going to build the wall less than a few hours after he told the Mexican president, don't worry about it. So he's throwing everybody on their back foot, the opposite of cultivating relationships, cultivating sort of a spirit of getting together and building it together. So I'd say a D minus. So differentiate A plus, collaborate D minus, innovate and validate uh, A plus, cultivate in the sewer. Okay, so that's not bad though. If he were a student, he would get a pass overall. Mm-hmm. That's in why fact, he won the election. He, in, in fact, he's doing exceedingly well in yeah. three of the five categories. Yeah, he's doing extremely well as a brand. And I think where we're going to start to see things come apart. In branding, we talk to appealing to different segments of the audience. So normally the people you go after are the early adopters. And the early adopters are people who believe in you. And then they, uh, they then sow the message that you put out they sow it to the majority now but in this case what's happened is i think he's he's gotten a group of early adopters and they have nothing to do with the majority right and i think that's where things are going to run into trouble very much targeted audience yeah we will take a break for some news and we'll come back with our guest mark stoiber brand strategy consultant and the entrepreneur uh and author of a book called didn't see it coming let's take the break do some news and we'll continue on uh, our discussion about donald trump 
If you're enjoying this podcast, there's two things that you could do to help me out a ton. First, you can go to iTunes and like this podcast. Didn't see it coming. Just hit like on iTunes. It would be a huge favor. Second, go to my homepage, markstoiber.com, and subscribe to my newsletter so you can get monthly updates on all the stuff that I'm up to. Thanks so much. Well, he's, uh, he's a lot of things. He is, uh, first and foremost, uh, a successful businessman. Can be argued, really. He is um, a three-time man at the, uh, at the altar, which has nothing really to do with anything, but I thought I'd mention it. He's the president of the United States, which is pretty big, and he's a brand. Donald Trump is certainly a brand. Uh, let's face it, uh, he broke the mold, we hope. Let's talk about his brand and where he stands and, and can that brand survive? Mark Stoiber is a brand strategy consultant. He's the author of the book, Didn't See It Coming. By the way, I'm going to give a, one of these copies of this, uh, this book away in just a few minutes. I'll give you the phone number in just a sec. Okay, what we've done, Mark, so far is you had some categories, which are the pillars for a brand. Mm-hmm. And of the five, he scored high marks, and of the other two, he failed, basically. Mm-hmm. So... Where are we now? Where are we now? We're in the first few days. Way too early to tell, but I think one thing that is crucial is that we have we have crossed the Rubicon from being uh, somebody who's running a pitch or a, camp, a campaign to win to the person who has won. And the big difference is there, especially in politics, is that you have to go from the early adopters, that is the zealots in your own party who voted for you, who are the early people, and they love you, you have to bridge that gap, cross the aisle, so to speak, to appeal to the mainstream, which are the majority. And if you really want to create a big brand, a Coca-Cola brand, you have to appeal to everyone. And that, I think, is where things are starting to get kind of freaky uh, with Donald Trump. Now, we can go through, remember, we had those five conditions that go into a brand. There is differentiate, collaborate, innovate, validate, and cultivate. And remember, he scored extremely high on differentiating when it was the campaign. Now he's the president. And I think early signs from the way he chose his cabinet to the way he's been behaving are not terribly promising when it comes to differentiating. He has not differentiated himself terribly well when it comes to stacking his cabinet. If you take a look at the cabinet, what do you see? You see a gr- sea of gray and you see a whole bunch of white guys. And if you, do, if you look closely, you see a whole bunch of rich white guys. Yeah. This is the man who was going to drain the swamp. That swamp is pretty full right now of with insiders, and they might not be as political as downtown as in the government as, uh, as, as in the previous government, but they are very much of the establishment. So that is absolutely not differentiated from his predecessors. Uh, the one way I think he has differentiated himself is in his behavior. Remember, he had to go from behaving like a candidate who was scrappy and populist. Now people expect him to put on a new suit and become the president. And you've heard this word being thrown around an awful lot, not acting presidential. Suddenly we want him to be someone that our children can look up to because, you know, he's the president. It's like being the prime minister. You don't want the prime minister going out and starting fights at the bike rack. Right. And, and what he's doing, you see the man who's got his finger on the red button picking a fight 
over how many people were at his inauguration and did it start to rain when he was talking or after he was talking? And it wasn't the press that started it. He started the fight. This is a a repeating pattern, though, for sure, because uh, he seems to uh, jump on these small issues at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, I suspect. It's always late at night. And he tweets and gets all involved and gets himself in a big fuss and a tizzy over minor things that basically... PR 101 would tell you, let it go. Mm-hmm. It'll die a natural death. But he prolongs the life of mm-hmm. these things. That whole news conference that you mentioned in the CIA building on Saturday, it was all about the size of the crowd the previous day. Mm-hmm. Any political scientist, any PR person would tell you, don't do that. Why does he continue to do the things you're not supposed to do? I think he's a narcissist. And, and there's only, you know, in a brand world, it has to be about collaboration. We're going get to get to that in a second. I think there is no collaboration. There is only one person standing in the spotlight of Donald Trump. And so if anything comes up and, and assaults him or, or peeves him, I think he takes immediate offense and he's got absolutely zero control because he's never had to control himself. You know, so it's a, I think it's a personality trait. It's not a particularly useful one if you've got to be the president and have a, a notoriously thick skin just to get through the day. So, you know, as far as differentiating goes, he also, if you want to look at undifferentiating, uh, you know, you look up the, you look up things like locking up Hillary, building the wall, stuff like that. Early signs are he, he won the election and the next thing he said is that he has no intention to lock up Hillary. Right. You know, he made huge promises about bringing the coal miners' jobs back, bringing jobs back to America, and now it's starting to seep out, one, he's not going to lock up Hillary. That was one of the most vociferous promises, yelling, shouting things that he did. He had people dressing up in prison outfits at his rallies, for God's sake. He's not going to do that. He's not going to build the wall. Or if he does, it might be a little tourist attraction, 100 feet high, 100 feet wide, you know. But... Um, he has not differentiated himself that way because he looks exactly like a politician who makes promises to get in and then breaks them as soon as he's gotten in. So as far as differentiating goes, I'd say kind of early days, D minus. Okay. Collaboration. The next one. You know, we've seen him, we've seen him bring in collaborators, right? He's got, he's got Ben Carson, he's got Tillerson, he's got a lot of smart dudes. But from the early notes, it seems like the people that he's interested in collaborating most with are his family, And for a brand, when you have a very small select group, we call that being inside the jar. And if you want to build a strong, robust brand, it's like having an immune system. It's got to have a lot of stuff thrown at it. They call the press the immune system of democracy because the press tries to keep taking shots at political figures. And if they can survive and weather it, it makes them stronger. That doesn't sound like he has a very strong immune system. Right. His collaboration immunity system, whatever you want to call it, is way down. Uh, so, you know, his war on the media cuts off a key area of collaboration, which is being inspired by outside feedback. I mean, he's gone so far now as to introduce the idea of alternate facts. Right. You know, which brings up George Orwell in 1984. The party told you to reject. All evidence of your eyes and ears, it was their final, most essential command. George Orwell. That could have come from Sean Spicer, for God's sake. <laughs> you know? Uh, That's uh, yeah. Trump's uh, media person, yeah. And then if you look at, uh, if you want to talk about collaboration, Twitter is his chosen medium of self-expression. Twitter is notorious. It's, it's a whole bunch of megaphones out there. 
You know, it is not about a dialogue. It's about screaming 140 character monologues at each other. Right. Not terribly helpful when it comes to collaboration. You can't even sit with another person long enough to collaborate with 140 characters. Okay, we'll get into the innovation, the validation, and the cultivation and where he is right now. As we continue our conversation about the branding of Donald Trump, our guest is Mark Stoiber. He's a brand strategy consultant, entrepreneur, and author of the book, Didn't See It Coming, which I'm giving away right now. 250-386-1161 or star 1070. Caller number three gets a copy of the book. You know, I think it's pretty clear that it's not easy to sound presidential. It's also not easy to make a great impression at a conference or raise money. Part of it is making a great speech. And that doesn't come easy to most folks. So that's why I recommend yourultimatespeech.com. Check out yourultimatespeech.com. Six phone calls, really cool methodology, and proven results. I had a dog named Brandy. Two dogs named Brandy. She was not a fine girl. She was a fine boy. Little doggy cocker spaniel. Talking about branding... We're talking about the branding of Donald Trump. Mark Stoiber is in. Uh, he's the author of the book, I Didn't See It Coming. Mike, congratulations for being uh, the caller that uh, won the book. Uh, Mark's a brand strategist consultant. And what we're talking about is um, where Trump lies as far as uh, branding goes. Okay, we are right now going to be at how is he doing as far as collaborating with others. <laughs> yeah, just, I mean, just to go back to before the commercial and break. And then innovating. Yeah, we, we talked about differentiating collaborating. And now there's three more things that are core to the brand, which is innovate, validate, cultivate. Innovate, too early to say. Has he done anything innovative? No, but no. give the man a chance. Four days on the job. You know, validate. Judging from the, the massive global women's march, I'd say that uh, his brand is not being validated terribly well, considering that the entire world was marching. Will it last? Don't know. Could be like social media. Could be a flash fire. Burns really hot, burns really fast, and then it's out. Sure. I don't know. Maybe he does something good. He'll get validated. But a niche audience is fine for winning the battle. We talked about that already. You know, they validate him, but the majority of people, it seems to me, are not validating, and that is how to get a brand in trouble. And then we go to cultivating. Just quickly, uh, you know, judging from the breaking of early promises, that is no way for a brand to be cultivated by people. That is no way to cultivate a relationship just like it is with humans. You know, I tell you something, I break the promise a few hours later— you're not going to trust me. Sure. And that sticks around. You know, yeah. we talked about New Coke. We talked about uh, uh, Audi. Uh, they break a promise. McDonald's, the nut scandal right now. Sure. You know, uh, you break that promise, it lasts. And then you throw in the dynamic of a shifting world and it lasts a lot longer. Hard to come back. How does Donald Trump, uh, pardon me, President Trump, uh, bridge the gap now? Because it seems to me that in the four days he's been in office, there is a gap now. Yeah, he's, he's created the promise of a brand. He is, I don't think he's lived up to the brand promise, and now he's got to bring it back, just like New Coke did, like Tylenol did, like Audi did. Uh, I think the first one, become a little more presidential. Put away the phone. You know, put away the tweets. Stop tweeting. Stop tweeting. Uh, you know, that is one way that he could he could bridge the gap. Uh, I think that if he if he continues to break things and to lie and to put people against each other, I think what he's going to do is build up resistance to his brand, and he'll never bring that back that that brand gap together. I think clamping down on the media, like George Orwell said, he can create a false brand in that he just projects his thoughts out to the world and expects people to buy it. But I just don't think that that's going to be 
the way it's going to work. I think the media will stand up and there'll be insurrection. And remember, a lot of people didn't vote for him, so there's going to be support for that. It's not like they're lying down and saying, hey, just tell us whatever you want us to hear. So I think, uh, I think that his brand might have a lot of trouble bridging that gap and coming back in line with what a president's brand needs to be. Well, he's got four years to do it. Yeah. Or less. <laughs> or less. You never you know. know. Yeah, let, me, let me ask you this. If, if that's Trump's brand... What's Obama's brand? What was it? Obama's brand was systems thinker. Obama is somebody who recognizes that you need power to make change, but he also realized that power in and of itself wasn't enough. He came up through community organizing and volunteering. And I think his brand was all about getting as much feedback from people as possible and then acting. It's, I think it's a little more German, you know, that you study stuff and study stuff until people go, oh, for God's sake, stop studying, and then he acts. Now, he didn't get a whole lot done, but you got to remember, you had the entire Republican Party, Mitch McConnell standing up and saying, the purpose of this party is to prevent this man from doing anything. He was hooped. He couldn't do anything. But I think his entire brand, based on his history as well, is of creating consensus and acting through that. So I would say pretty much the polar opposite. Absolutely. You know, you've got a systems thinker versus an absolutist here, or, a, or a, like a, a person who is all about gaming the system, which Donald Trump is. Now, it's funny because then you compare Donald Trump the president with Donald Trump the private brand. Right. And those two brands are very much in alignment because what you've got is a brand, Donald Trump, the private citizen, of gaming the system. You are the best. You're smarter. Remember, he brought out the statement talking about uh, that that uh, he didn't have that, uh, that by not spending tax money, that uh, he was actually being smart, right? So it's you. if you can game the system and get away with it, you are a smart guy, a rich guy, a person who stays at the Trump Hotel, eats Trump steaks. So I think those two brands are very much in alignment. Where those brands fall apart a little bit is that he's very, very bad at hiding his petty feelings. And I think if you're wealthy, they expect you to have a little more magnanimity that you go, you know, hey, throw my arms around the world, lots of charity donations, lots of philanthropic action. And I think that's where he's starting to pull apart from the Trump private citizen brand. You've been listening to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. If you want to get a hold of me, drop me an email at mark, M-A-R-C, at markstoiber.com, M-A-R-C-S-T-E.